You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Someone, I was greeting some people that have been only, I've been here, what, four weeks already? And I said, well, you got three weeks on me. <laughs> this is the first time I got to be here on a Sunday morning. And for some of you um, that don't know, I've been here a number of times. Probably the most, uh, the greatest numbers of, of visits to Victoria in my life in the last year and a half, maybe two years. Because there's just a highlight on Victoria right now. And not so much on Victoria, but on its people. And there's something wonderful about that. And so I've kind of poked in and poked out of here with a few other friends like Josh Hofford and James Bonney and a few. And we've had a chance to spend time with your leadership. And it's just been, uh, all I can say is I just have a great affection for you. And uh, it's, it's just a wonderful thing. Um, but before I, I share some of the thoughts, <laughs> so when I was greeting some people around here and, I, and I, they said, you know, I greeted myself and they asked me if I was a first timer and I said, no, I'm kind of the speaker this morning. <laughs> so, but I, and, I, and, I, and, and one person said, I hope it's good. And I go, well, if the speaker, when he's reviewing some thoughts he's written down, begins to weep because he knows it's for him, then you know it's going to be good. <laughs> And this morning, I was just encountered by the Father. And I just want to share some of those things with you, too. But before I get into that, um, I, I just have a, a few things I want to share here first. But we just lit the peace candle this morning. You're aware of that? So last week was the candle of hope. And we lived in the town of Hope, B.C. for 21 years. We church planted there back in 1991. And um, it just an absolutely wonderful place where God redesigned and reorganized and rearranged my heart. And we came to, to say something about the word hope. It wasn't just uh, something we were looking forward to, but we, we used the acronym HOPE, H-O-P-E, He Opens People's Eyes. And so I just want to bless you that way, that this morning he'll open the eyes of your heart. Not the eyes of your mind, but the eyes of your heart. Paul talks about that in the epistles, and he says that, that his great prayer for us is that God would open the eyes of our heart, that we would come to know how great and amazing God really is. But today was the candle of peace, and um, I, I just had this thought this morning about the candle of peace. Back when COVID came out, remember that? So that was back in... It actually happened March the 12th or the 14th, 2020. And we were in a church, uh, and I, was, uh, I wasn't the guest speaker of that, of that particular church, but we were there, and, and I just said, you know, Lord, the neighbors are going to be afraid. People are going to be disrupted by this. And I didn't even know how long, because, you know, some, if you were a word faith person in that, in that first two weeks, it was going to be over in two weeks. You know, we're going to just take this thing and seize it and crush it and be over. And I said to the father, I need a handle on a mug. Do you ever knew that? I need a handle on a mug for how to navigate whoever I contact and whoever I come into contact with. And it has to do with the word peace. 
Because the Lord said this, because it was 2020, and in those days of 2020, you know all the prophetic voices that would come out in 2020 were, it's the Eurovision, we're going to conquer the earth, and it's going to be the best thing in the world. And we look back at those prophetic words and we go, I don't think they got it right. It got worse. It was a mess. But how many of you know that the prophetic when God encounters us with his heart and his voice, and the prophetic is God releasing his heart for us, sometimes it's for a time yet to come. And it doesn't mean they got it wrong. They might have gotten an interpretation of when it was going to happen wrong, but it was still they were speaking toward a day. And we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But I said to the Father, so give me a handle on this so that I can have peace in my own heart and bring peace to those around me. And he said this. It was brilliant. It's not new. It's just true. Hindsight is 2020. The second thing he said was, it's just the middle of the story. And the third thing he said was, Steve, remember what I have told you. And he was relaying to me to be reminded of the promises that God has given. And I just want to say with this candle of peace this morning, um, speak and just release this thought here. Wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, hindsight will be 2020. You may not see abs- absolutely everything clearly right now, but when you look back, you will see the hand of God in His heart for you in ways that you didn't see in that trouble or fog. And the Father wants to remind you wherever you are in Him in your journey, it's just the middle of the story. It's not over. And don't allow, and this is something we talk about in the prophetic realm. We, we say, you know, God, when he speaks, he tells us who he is and his heart for us. And the enemy wants to counterfeit that. And, and so we, we've learned to say this a little bit. Don't allow the enemy to prophesy your future. It will never be good. And it will never sound like the Father's heart for you. It will never be filled with hope. It will never land with peace in your heart. And there won't be anything about a future and destiny where you are greater in love with the Father and know that he is greater in love with you than you ever imagined. And the enemy loves to prophesy the future. You ever hear him? You know, oh, it's tomorrow's... You look at the weather and you go, oh, it's going to be terrible tomorrow. We do that. That's part of that fleshly realm where we are not constantly abiding in him. And I, I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. But, um, so this morning, um, we, we just we had a, a wonderful, peaceful sleep. And I woke up around 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock and then got up at 6 o'clock. Uh, and I said, Father, what is on your heart for us? And I heard, Steve, abide in me. Abide in me. And I wrote it this way because this is John 15, verses 4 and 5. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Cannot, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 8. By this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. You know, it's an amazing thing about the word abide. 
I, I need it simple. I just need it simple. And the word abide, when, it, when you look at how it's translated out in original languages, um, it just says this, be present. That's what abide means, be present. It doesn't mean do anything in order to gain. You know, here it says abide in me because you can't bear fruit unless you abide. He's not saying do a lot of things for me and in that way you'll produce fruit. He's saying just be present. Just be present. It's all I ask of you. You know, we, that song, and, and Caleb, you, were, you brought it out really well, you know, what can I bring to the king? You know, the older you get as a dad, Bruce, you know this too, the less you need for Christmas. Like, what do you, what do you get a dad that has everything? You know, more, more stuff. I don't know. But what it is on our hearts as fathers is we just want our kids to be present. We're, we're not looking for what gifts they can bring us. Actually, we're more excited about gifts that we can give them. And the father doesn't say you have to do a lot or bring a lot. And sometimes our language, we get all mixed up in that. And it's, what can I bring you, God? I, I'm, I'm just a meager servant. He goes, no, you're my child. I just want you to be present. If you're present with me, I'll produce, for, I'll, I'll create you and transform you and I'll visit you and encounter you and you will produce fruit and in doing so, you'll be my disciples. It'll just bring me the greatest joy in the world. It's just a powerful thing. Be present. Um, and I'm, I'm learning that he, as he encounters me, and I want to talk about encounter, I want to talk specifically about two encounters. Uh, one that's really old and one that's very recent. And, um, and so I'm going to read some of the, the thoughts that I have on here. But before I do that, um, today is uh, the father's like super, super smiling and super happy about today. Because I'm, I realize this with the father, and I hope you can grasp this in your own heart. That often as a believer, as a son and daughter of God, the thoughts that you think are actually his thoughts that he's thinking in you and through you. They're not just your thoughts. They're his thoughts. And so when I went, wow, I can't wait to come here. I get to see Bruce and Caleb, and I get to see all my other fr some other friends. I get to meet new friends, um, and, and, you know, and Jason and Christine and a few others. And it was just like it brought me great joy, and I realized, no, that's his joy. Like, they, like it makes him happier. And this is a real setup because Bruce and I were talking about this over, uh, over some strong tea the other day. <laughs> we, were, we, were, uh, we were musing. <laughs> yeah, we call it strong tea. Anyway, uh, C.S. Lewis called it strong tea. Um, when friends get together, that's what C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and all his friends, they would get together and just share and love and be together because there's something about affection that's great but I, I always remember when I think about Bruce and we talked about this the other day and I'll just get a little intimate here in private with us here out loud and on the virtual network um, we were we were at a we were at a a, a dear friend of ours had a, a prophetic conference Murray Duick and uh, Bruce was the the keynote speaker and anyway we were we were in the little boys room <laughs> standing side by side, you know, and uh, he, looked at, he looked at me and I looked at him and he's got that glint in his eye and his little wink, but, you know, the, the desire in our heart was, oh, we, it would just be wonderful to do things together. <laughs> right? 
And it's funny because it, that, that, that picture's just impregnated in my mind and hopefully in yours now too, right? Hey, what you see is what you get. And I am a national leader. <laughs> um, but but there's just the fun of that and the affection of just going, you know, we, from that day till now, we remember things that were on the heart of the Father. And we didn't get to do a lot, haven't yet gotten to do a lot of things together. But now here I am doing things with your family. How good is that? I mean, that's just off the charts. That is just off the charts. And, and what, we're, what we mean by that, too, is that sometimes God will drop a desire of his heart in us and we'll interpret a certain way or what we think it's supposed to look like or could look like, and he'll come and bring something completely different, and it will answer everything that our hearts have longed for. That's what happens in encounter. Encounter is super important. So this morning I had this um, word... Um, for you guys, um, it, and when I was praying for you, Caleb and Telsey, and 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 for some of the for, for the church, and I said, Father, what is uh, a, a quick word um, that I that is on your heart? And He gave me First uh, John two, and verse fourteen says this: I write to you, fathers, because you know Him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And I felt like it was a word for the church that the fathers and mothers of the church are extremely important because we have history with God. And history with God is extremely important for the days that we're going to be facing and where he is taking us into in the global church. History. Often with history, we would say this as history scholars and teachers and learners, we would say that history often teaches us that history teaches us nothing. But that's not the kingdom. The kingdom teaches us that history is not only teaching us something, but it's laying a foundation and it's, ex and it's helping us understand what God is like, what he does, and what his great heart for us is, and that he is someone that takes history and builds line upon line, precept upon precept. And so the other part of it is, is the young men. And um, Caleb, you're, you're not quite like your dad. You're different. But last night when we were sitting at the table, it was like I could see the veins on your arms. And I go, like, the guy works out, I guess. And, um, but I just felt it was, I write to you, young men, because you're strong. And the season we're heading into, strong is more important than being safe. Sometimes we want our churches to be a safe place. And I asked the Lord about that one day, and he said, you know, no, it's, it's really, you can't guarantee safe. But what you can do is teach and train your people how to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And if they're strong, it doesn't matter what they face, they will come out greater and better and healthier in the end. And it's a powerful thing. So here, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of the Lord, the word of God abides in you. That's really important to understand because the word teaches us the nature of God. It reveals his nature. And you have overcome the evil one. Uh, so I, I just wanted to bless you. We, we said this over the table the other night. You know, how many know that it's not what you do or where you do it, but who you do it with? That's the most important thing because the Father is, is really about that. When he says, abide in me, he said, I don't, I, I'm not looking at what you can accomplish for me. 
I, I just want to be present with you. That's more important to me than anything because we know that things that we build sometimes will last for a season and then they'll go away. And then we'll build something different. And it's not that what we build endures because when, when the scripture talks about, you know, that God has laid a foundation and be careful how you build wood, hay, or stubble, or gold, silver, and precious stones, that's not talking about our outer man. That's talking about our inner man. How we lay and establish things inwardly. Um, and so I, I just wrote a couple of things down. Caleb said, you've got to be mindful of the time because we're hungry. Um, so I... I, I I just want to empty everything out on the floor. So I'm just going to empty it with sticks, sticks, and, and we'll see what happens. But I want to talk about encounter, and I want to talk about barrenness. Now God wants to come to the places of our life that are barren. We think they're barren and, and maybe unfruitful, but he also wants to come and visit the church where the church has been barren and perhaps unfruitful. And so um, I, I just want to talk about encounter. Um, I wrote it this way, and it, it's not unique to me. It's not new to you, but it's true. You know, sometimes we go, you know, God is doing a new thing. I heard one pastor say, don't give me something new. Give me something true. And because truth changes us and transforms us. So the word was simply this. One encounter from God with God will change you forever. Have you heard that before? There's something about God coming with his heart to encounter us wherever we're, we feel barren and in lack and also to the body of Christ. And there's a shift coming, a transformation that's coming for that. And, and I wrote this down, that the end game of our encounter is transformation. And actually, the transformation that the Father's looking for is, is that we become more like him, that we're transformed into his image so that we look like him, we sound like him, and most importantly, we think like he does. Like to actually think like he does reshapes us so that everywhere you go, you find yourself, because the Bible says this, we're, divine, we're partakers of the divine nature, but also that we have the mind of Christ. That means we can think like him. And the enemies prophesied said, no, you can't. That's reserved for him, not you. But the scriptures are the scriptures. That's why it's important, young men, the word of God is in you, abides. Make sure that we're strong in the word. So, so important. Um, and, and Jesus, yeah, he, he just wants us to, to actually think like he does. And, but the thing about when God encounters us or visits us, his goal is transformation, his desire but his, the transformation, he doesn't encounter us just to encounter us. When he comes in power, or he comes with a visitation, or he moves you deeply, or something of a scripture leaps off the page, encounter can come so many different ways. It's always unto something. It's not just for that moment. What he does has purpose. And it's not our purpose, it's his and that's why remembering sometimes that where you are in God, hindsight is sometimes 2020. Maybe just be the middle of the story. We look at the life of Joseph. Uh, it's one of the favorites for you and I, isn't it? The life of Joseph, um, where if he had a prophetic dream 
interpreted it a certain way, expressed it to his brothers, gets thrown into a pit, Potiphar's house, prison, and then he's the ruler. But one thing happened because of, and I believe it's this way, because he had encounters with God, it kept his heart tender. So that when his brothers revisited him, you know what it says about that? He went behind the curtain and wept, thinking, and, and I'm just going to paraphrase, the enemy told me this would never happen. I'd never see my family again. Well, that was a lie. Here they are in front of me. I can't contain the emotion of my heart. And you realize God was revealing what he's like, who he is, and what he can do. He came to Joseph's barrenness because Joseph, when he wept behind that curtain, tells you that his position didn't make up for the loss. His authority didn't make up for the loss. There was something of an affection of his heart that was missing that God wanted to restore. And he's coming to do that again to us in the earth. Two encounters, an old one and a new one. Before I, I share the old one, and, and it's, it's a... <laughs> It, it, we're, we're, I, get, I just feel that God sets me up all the time. He's just, it's just a setup, and I walk right into it. You just finished three weeks on the book of Malachi, and now I'm here. And it's, it's an amazing thing, but, so I, but before I share about this encounter, um, I, I just want to say it this way, that I've, I've been learning over the years through his frequent encounters, when I say frequent, not every day, but over my life, he's encountered me and it's been transforming me. And one of the encounters that he came to me was, um, he said, Steve, I want you to begin reading the scriptures through my heart. I don't want you to read to understand. I want you to read to discover who I am and what I'm like, because all of scripture reveals my nature. So I want you not to read scripture and see how it applies to life. I want you to read scripture and ask me. So this is what I do in my mornings in my devotion time. I crack open my journal and I write on there, Lord, what's on your heart? And then if, he, if, I, if, I, if I'm reading passages of scripture in, in a devotion, I've, I'm learning now to always not try to figure it out, but to say, what does this mean to you? How does this reveal you? And why did you put that in the Bible? Why, why was that important to you? And I want to understand about you so that when I'm reading scripture, I read it with your mind, not mine. And wow, what a difference that makes. I'm not coming to figure out a playbook or a, how to navigate my day. Or What I'm doing is every time now that I read through his eyes and his heart, I find I'm being transformed day by day to have his heart. So now that if I'm not reading the scriptures, I, I come here, I go, what's your heart for this group? It's, it's an, and, he, and what he said this morning was just be present. And then, and then I didn't tell you this part. He said, they don't need another word, Steve. They just need you. I go, am I allowed to say that? And I realize him in us, him in you, that's what we need. We don't need profound words. We need presence. His, his in us. When we gather, we're reminding ourselves of who he is 
in us for one another. It's a powerful thing. So um, I, I was reading, you know, um, a while back about, you know, Malachi. It's one of my favorite portions. And Caleb said, hey, I left you the last few verses about the, pro the last prophecy in Scripture was that God would send another in the spirit of Elijah and he would unite the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the father lest he come and strike the earth with a curse. Like, that's a, that's a mouthful. That's just like, what do you mean by that? But what we understand, too, it, it actually reveals, when you read it through the heart of the Father, it tells us what the Father's, what's on his heart. And because it's the last prophetic word, it's not just a prophetic word. It's, a, it's an oath that he's making. And the reason he says, I want to, I'm going to send another in the spirit of Elijah, and he will unite the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children of the fathers, because the fathers always wanted a family. All through from Genesis to the end of Malachi, it's teaching us about his nature. Like the law that was given can't bring us, it can't bring us righteousness. It can bring us to Christ, but his whole desire in that is, this is my nature. This is what I'm like. Don't kill anybody. Why? Because I don't want to kill anybody. We realize when we read the Ten Commandments, they're not rules for, for misbehavior. It's revealing the nature and the heart of the Father. This is what he's like. Don't steal. Why? Well, there's, I, there's nothing in me that wants to steal. So I don't want that for you because it's not good. He's always he's visiting. But what we found was, you know, we, we try to keep that law. We, you know, what can I bring to you, God? Because I keep slipping and messing, and I'm, now the enemy tells me I'm no good and I'm not worth it, so I'm going to come and grovel before you. And God's going to, I, I just want you to be present. I'm looking for a family. The amazing thing about that story is, after that prophecy happened, there was 400 silent years before it was fulfilled. 400. Maybe Bruce and I were going to live to be like 119. You know, that's our goal. But 400? 400 years. 400, and I'll say it this way, barren years. Barren. 400 barren years. And the way that God chooses to fulfill it he comes to a barren family. Zachariah and Elizabeth were barren. And all they wanted was a family. And God visits their barrenness. And I wrote it this way. Their barrenness was actually God's barrenness. He was longing for a family more than Zachariah and Elizabeth. And in order to fulfill his great desire for a family, he had to show that he could come into and invade barrenness and create life. And it wasn't so much, it answered Elizabeth and Zachariah's greatest heart's need and desire, but it answered the father's. You know, the interesting thing about Zachariah, I wrote this down, he never had an encounter, he only had transactional service. He knew the law, but he didn't know the Father. He was occupied with duty and forgot the promise, the oath. You know, the priests in those days, the Bible says that he was chosen by lot. 
Bible says in this book of, I think it's Proverbs, the lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is of the Lord. You go, well, what chance do we have? I think it's pretty good. But Zechariah, it says, you know, when, when they, they would light incense, and incense was the prayer of the saints, but they actually forgot to pray and believe for the promise that God spoke in Malachi. If they had just stuck to that last promise, one day I will come and I will send another. And if they were looking for that day, we know that there was a prophet and a prophetess in the temple when Jesus came in that were waiting and looking for the consolation of Israel. But here, Zachariah and Elizabeth, their barrenness had so gripped them that they had actually, they're now just doing duty of the house and they've forgotten what was on the Father's heart. And God never forgets his oath, ever. <sighs> Get that. God never forgets his promise or his oath, ever. That's who he serves. Like I read, I read that this morning and my, I jotted that down and I was just, I just was overcome by the affection of the Father going, I don't forget. You may forget, I don't forget. You may lose sight, but I never do. I'm watching you, I see you, and I see you, Steve, and I'm coming. You know, the, you know what, here, here's what the word Zachariah means. Here's what his name means. Remembered by God. And Elizabeth means oath. Does that tell you what he's like? I don't forget my oath. In fact, I'm going to come to a barren couple and, and I'm going to give them a name before eternity. His name is going to be Zachariah and Elizabeth. And, you know, they're going to, you know, like, Ooh, I want to get married. And, oh, hey, we're going to have a family. And, oh, yeah, I'm, marrying, I'm marrying a minister. Wow. You know, it's like, you know, if you only knew. <laughs> but Zachariah means remembered by God and Elizabeth means oath. What was God saying? I'm revealing through scripture my nature. I'm a dad. I don't forget. I'll never forget my oath. In fact, your hunger is my hunger. I'm learning that more and more. It's not about me at all. The things that I feel, the thoughts that I think, they're his. Where the enemy comes, he tries to steal, kill, and destroy. You know, I, I wrote this down really quickly, too, and I know I'm, I'm almost running out of time here, and that's um, about families of God. One of the things I just want to encourage you to, in this is this. Don't view God's family through the lens of your family. View your family through the lens of God's family. When you're struggling in your family and might be barren or unfruitful or you have longings and desires, look at what his family's like and remember, God never goes back on his oath. He always remembers and he'll, he has the ability to come into your barrenness and change things. Hope candle, peace candle. Hope is, I can do it. I'm coming. Peace, rest in the fact that I never forget my oath or my promise. It's a powerful thing. So, he longs to encounter us in our barrenness, but he also wants to visit the barrenness of the church. And I just, I just, I have to, so that was encounter number one with Zachariah. Encounter number two was with me. Um, I'll try to get through this because I know we're hungry. Um, are you with me? Oh. He's with us. That's better. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Um, but for the last while, I've felt that 
the Father has been brooding over the earth. And I've been, I've been, sometimes brooding can be misunderstood for frustration. Have any of you felt frustrated? I see those hands, like all up over the place. But, but what actually what I want to encourage you in is that when, don't mistake God's brooding for a frustration. Frustration is something of the flesh. Brooding is something of the spirit. And when God broods, he's in creative mode. Remember in Genesis 1, it says the spirit of the Lord hovered over the earth. It's, another translation said he brooded over the earth. And he was in creative mode, and he was creating a resting place and a dwelling place in the earth for us to be and abide with him. And I, feel, I felt recently that God has been brooding over the earth, and wherever my, I had frustration in my flesh, he was saying, no, view this through my lens. I'm, cre- I'm in a creative mode. And then he said this, don't stick your head above the, my brooding to look around to see what's happening. Because I'm a curious one. I want to do that. I want to leap before its moment. And, and, and so what he was saying is just stay humble and, and wait for me and watch what I do. And I wrote this down that um, uh, in this I was, as I was writing, writing and journaling. I go, Father, I think you want to revisit the wineskins of the bride of the church. COVID was an interesting thing. And there has been a lot of false prophecy where the enemy's gone. The church will never be the same. Oh, because, it, you know, it can't look the way it did because it was terrible. Like all negative, negative, negative. What I know about God is he never forgets his oath or his promise. And one of his promises was the church will keep growing and increasing. The gates of hell can't stand up against it. And, and when, before I come back, it's going to be glorious. I go, oh, well, that sounds pretty positive. But sometimes God will come to revisit our wineskin. And uh, I was recently, and I just need to share you this encounter that I had. Um, I was recently visiting the city of Medicine Hat. And uh, I was getting ready to share at a church I had never been at. Um, But I had an affection for their leaders. And we said one day, we need to come and be out there. So we went out to Medicine Hat. And um, I went into panic mode as all great leaders do. Oh God, oh God, if you don't show up, we're goners. <laughs> I, I think he loves those prayers. Yeah, you're right. You're a goner if I don't show up. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then, and then he said this, good thing I come. Good thing I show up. Good thing I love encounter. Good thing I love transformation. Good thing I don't forget my oath. I will visit the earth and I will encounter you. All, you, all I'm asking of you is to be present. See, being present, what does abide mean? It means be present like you're setting yourself up for encounter. You're setting yourself up for transformation. That's why we gather, for the possibility of encounter. That's why we give. You, you give an offering. Why? You give to, to, so that there we, you can gather and you can do these kind of things. Why? Because there's a possibility that someone's going to come into the room and have an encounter with God. It may not be you that day. It might be them. But boy, you're part of that. You've sewn into their encounter. It's a powerful thing. So anyway, I'm in Medicine Hat, and he wakes me up at 3 in the morning, and he says, um, as I said, what do you want? What do you, what's the word for this church? And what I'm realizing when he gives a word for a church, it's not a specific church. It's his, the affection of his heart, the bride. And it could meet anywhere. So I'm in Medicine Hat, and he says to me this. He says, he says Steve, I want you to, like, in, in the bedside nightstand, there's a book. I want you to pull it out and crack it open and read the first chapter. 
So I look there, and there's a brand new copy of Anne of Green Gables. You know the story? So it's Anne of Green Gables, and you go, well, what's Anne of Green Gables all about? So I read the story, and there's this older uh, um, man and woman, their brother and sister, and they're uh, getting on in age, and they're trying to figure out how to sustain the farm. We need, we need, we're getting a little bit old for the chores. We need to get some help around the farm. So they decide they're going to go to the orphanage and get a little boy. And, you know, about 11 years old, so that he's strong enough to carry the water pail and do a few things, but he's still young enough that we can train. So Matthew Cutberg gets on the, on the old buckboard, and he gets down to the train station, and down to the train station he's waiting, and there's no boy. There's a girl. And not any girl. This is Anne with an E. An E for attitude. And enthusiasm. And she's effervescent. And she's got energy. And he decides, well, you know, I mean, I'll bring her home. He brings her home, and Marilla goes, what? We need a boy. That's not what we need. This is what we need. This is a girl. We don't need a girl. And what happened was they decided to, you know, keep her for a week. <laughs> and after, yeah, test her on. And then after that week, they went, we don't want to give her back. Although they thought they needed a boy to sustain the farm, they got a girl and it answered a place of their heart that a boy that sustained the farm couldn't answer. It answered something deep within them of an affection that they couldn't give her up. And it wasn't no longer about the work of the farm. It was, this is a family. And, and they, were, they weren't even married and had the ability to have a child. And they were given one. That's how deep God can go in our barrenness or our, or, or the, and, and answer the, 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 the longings of our heart that we can't even give expression to, that we realize are really the longings of the heart of the Father. And he said to me this, he says, the church is looking for ways to sustain itself. It thinks it needs a boy. I'm going to come and bring in a girl. And it's going to change, the, upset the apple cart. It's not going to look the same, but it's going to answer the deepest place of their heart. And it's going to be affection. And I went, oh, I just got undone. And I was preparing. I got back home, and I was preparing for our national conference. And the title of our national conference was the word more. And how many, we've been raised in a revival culture? More, Lord, more. And I was going, oh, God, I'm so hungry for you. And I know we're hungry here in a minute. I was so hungry for you, God. I'm so hungry for you. And I, and I made the mistake of putting my earbuds in and listening to some Christian music. That'll just lead you to good, right, and to God. And so, and the song I was listening to, you'll appreciate this, Kelly, was, where you go, I go, what you say, I say. I go, oh, God, I'm so hungry for you. I'm a worshiper first. I'm hungry for you, God, I'm so hungry for you. And about 10 minutes into my walk, he says this. I had an encounter. Well, by the way, Steve, the hunger you have, you think it's your hunger for me, but it's actually I'm allowing you to experience a little bit of my hunger for you. And I went, oh, you are so hungry. I can't believe how hungry you are. You are starving. Oh, God, you're hungry. For the next hour, I went around going, you are so hungry. I can't believe how hungry you are. And I realized the father, our topic was more, and he said this, Steve, you want more of me, but I'm coming and visiting the earth. I want more of you. 
I want more of the bride. I want more of the church. And I'm not coming to demand more. I'm coming with an outpouring of my affection where you will be so turned around and transformed by me that, that you're, uh, I will fulfill my hunger by, uh, by transforming you. And actually, when my hunger is fulfilled, your hunger will be fulfilled. The last seasons of the church, we've been wanting more from God. I think he's visiting the church going, I want more from you. But he doesn't come and demand it in a legalistic way. He comes and goes, oh, I'm going to encounter you and transform you, and you're never going to be the same. You know, we talk about this in the church, and I talk with leaders all the time. Oh, discipleship's a real problem. I go, if you've had an encounter with God, and you've been touched by his affection, nobody will need to tell you to read your Bible. You'll just, you'll, and when you read your Bible, you'll be satisfying him. Like, I went around the, the block, and I was talking with the Lord, and I said, God, how do I satisfy your hunger? If you're that hungry, what do you want me to make for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to say to you? What do you want me? He says, well, first of all, just, you know, come to the table. Be present. You know what I found out? I, and I'm finding this more and more. Like, he, 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 all he wants me to do is come to the table, and then he prepares a feast, and it satisfies him. You know, when we read Psalm 23 and it says he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies, we forget that he's sitting down and eating with us. We think, oh, here it is. Yeah, go for it. Have fun. See ya. No. I want to have more. I want, and, and I'm realizing when you look at the, the, the first encounter with Zachariah and Elizabeth from the prophecy and the oath that he made, their hunger was actually God's hunger for a family. And he chose to to satisfy his hunger by visiting flesh and blood. That's what he does in the earth. But it's really about him, not about us. So your barrenness, that's his barrenness. I remember, you know, I became the, the leader of CMA back in 2004. That's when you got these chairs, 2004. <laughs> Bing! Anyway, but before I was, I was, I used to, you know, come and set up chairs and run sound and do worship. And, and then one day the Lord said to me, Steve, stand at the, back of the at the back of the meeting hall and see if anybody says hi. So I did. Nobody said hi. It felt like, can you dub this out? Hell. It was the worst lonely pain. And then I felt, I had an encounter. I felt Jesus was standing next to me, and he goes, that's how I feel here. And I went, what? You see, you need to understand God in you. Sometimes the thoughts that you're thinking, you'll ask this, are these from me, God, or are they from you? And he'll go, I'm in you. And sometimes I'll allow you to feel my pain. That's when we're actually moved by compassion, where nobody needs to tell us what to do. And I said, do you feel that way? And I said, yeah. And I said, oh, well, I want to satisfy you. And then he, I said, what do we do to make, you, to make that pain that you have go away? And he said, oh, look through the crowd and see who nobody's talking to and go and love them. So for the next four years, Sylvia and I just went, oh, we're going to take them out for lunch. We're going to take them out for coffee. We weren't in charge. We weren't, oh, but we had had an encounter from God. I didn't know it was leading to something later that I would then become in charge and go, hey, we're going to turn this ship around because I know what that pain feels like, and I realize it's not my pain, it's his. And God is coming to revisit the earth, our own barrenness, but also the barrenness of the bride. 
And it's, he's, he's going to give us a girl, and it's not gonna think, we're not going to think it looks like anything that we thought. Jason and, and Christine are going to get a puppy. They, they left already to go get a puppy. They had a puppy before. It was a boy. And I said, we said, what are you going to get? Oh, we're getting a girl. And I went, oh, you have no idea what's happening. This is a prophetic dog. <laughs> it'll, still, it'll still pee all over them in the car. Like, you know, we, Sylvia and I pulled in next to Jason and Christine. And there, you know, Jason was getting the little dog crate out. And Sylvia goes, yeah, think that's going to work for that new puppy? No. I said, oh, you tell them. You go tell them. It's, you, know, you can't put that dog in a crate right away. But it's going to change their lives. But when Jason, we asked about, you know, to Jason last night, and he's not here so I can talk about him. He, he said, he's a dear friend. Um, I'll just say this about Jason real quick. The first time I encountered Jason, they were at Valley Church. I went in to go see my friend Brian West. He had an office there. And I heard music down the hallway. You know how you guys have the hospitality room and you come in and down the hallway? And I heard, I, thought, I heard what I thought was a live band playing in a room. And so I went, i got to go see this. This worship is moving my heart. It was, um, you know, come rest on us. You know, like we're calling out to you, God. And, and I opened the door <laughs> thinking there was a live band in this room. And they were playing a tape, you know, or a CD. And there was Jason and a bunch of other guys on the floor, schmoed by God. I went, oh, that's the kind of guy I'd like to hang out with. <laughs> so, but I said, well, how'd it come to you to get this dog? And he says, well, you know, we had missed a dog. We had a dog before it died, and, you know, now we're... And then he said, he texted Christine. He said, I'm on the Internet, and I'm up to no good. <laughs> what happened? Oh, this dog. And then you could see it in his heart when he shared it last night. It, it, the, I had an affection for this dog. It moved me. And I don't know what we're in for. Probably chew up everything in the house and pee all over the floor, but we just have to have this dog. That's what an encounter with God does. I just need to be with him. It transforms us. And God is coming to visit the earth in its barrenness of the bride, saying, I'm coming. And I heard this morning he said, tell them, I'm coming. Not end time coming, I'm coming to visit my bride with encounter. Let's stand. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to release a prayer over us, and then we're going to mess up the chairs and have table. And I just thought it was so appropriate for Sylvie and I to be here on a day we get to eat together and abide. Um, there's just something significant about that. Um, I'm a reverend, and it means rest, eat, and visit. I want to get better at that. <laughs> but there's something about the Father wanting to abide with us. Have you heard his heart this morning? He wants to come, and so I want to do two prayers. One... If, you've, if you're in a place where you have a longing in your heart and you feel it's, there's a barrenness there, we just let's just right now, we just want to speak over that barrenness. Father, would you come and visit the places of our heart that only we know with you of the longing when we're with you and we weep 
and we long and we've lost, as it seems, we've lost all hope that you would come and encounter us and remind us that you are an oath-keeping father, and that you are coming to visit our barrenness with life. We just speak life. We reach into your future in the name of Jesus and speak life. I reach into my own family members, longings, things that you've prayed for and you haven't seen any movement on yet. Father, that you would come in unlikely times and places and encounter us and shift things and transform us and transform our circumstances. And Lord, we also ask for the bride of Christ for the church, not just life tree, but what life tree represents in the earth. That Father, there is a barrenness in the land of the prophetic word of the Lord, of worship, of unity, Lord, of, of, of the fragrance of heaven. And Father, that you would come and visit the bride in these days. And Lord, the, the churches are all looking at how to sustain things. But Lord, that you, and they think they need a boy, but you would bring them your spirit and it would be like Anne Shirley with an E and it would disrupt their home, their church, but it would, be, it would answer the very deepest cry of their heart. Father, we just ask and, and we pray and lift that up and we just say, Father, you're a promise-keeping God. You're an oath-keeping God. And so we look to you and we ask, Father, for a release of heaven, of encounters in the name of Jesus over the bride. Yeah, and over our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Lifetree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Lifetree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.